Very excited to have you with us today. We have two more Sundays left on our Big Church series uh, taken from a book by Andy Stanley many years ago that he wrote. And, and basically what it, what it is, is the church is a big idea, right? It, it began 2,000 years ago, not because of what somebody taught, but because of what someone did. Right, it began with a group of people uh, um, on the steps of the temple when the Holy Spirit just descends upon them and, and gives them abilities and power to speak in languages that everybody could hear and understand. And, and thousands of people came into knowing who Jesus Christ is, that he died for their sins and that he conquered death so that we might have life. It wasn't about what they said, it was about what he did, right? And from that moment on, the church began and it began around that one simple idea that Jesus was the Messiah, that he died to give us life. And they went about telling that message over and over again, even in the face of persecution and opposition. And then a couple of weeks ago, PT in, in, invited us to, to the, the understanding of Paul, Saul, who comes in and, and Saul comes in and, and, he, and he's converted into knowing who Jesus is. And, and he calls himself Paul, which is his Greek name. And he goes throughout the rest of kind of the, the world at the time, telling people about who Jesus was, that Jesus Christ was the Messiah, that he died to give us life. And the church just got huge, it became this movement. It wasn't about the building. It wasn't about the book. It wasn't about the religiousness, the rituals, the robes, the choirs, the worship teams. It wasn't about any, it was about the movement. It was a bunch of small groups of people who went out and said, this is who Jesus is. And they begin to live their life as if that were true. It was how they lived their life that changed everything, right? And so I ask you the question today, the church back then was talking about Jesus Christ as if you believe in him, then you will have eternal life and a home in heaven. That message is still true today, but it's not the only message, is it? Here's a question. Does the church still matter? Like out, outside of the eternal home side of things, does the church still matter? And I, and I asked that question, or I asked a kind of a question a few weeks ago. I said, well, what would happen if we weren't here any longer? If like St. Andrews, what would be the impact? If, you know, immediately around our community, there would probably be some joy and dancing. Like, woo, no more parking on the street problems, right? We have a couple of our neighbors that really don't like us and they bring their dogs to do their business on our lawn just to tell us. It, big, big dogs, they're really, really big dogs. Um, and, and, and so, you know, would it matter though? Would it matter if we, if we weren't here anymore? It, it, does the message of the church still matter? Yes, for here, you know, one glad morning when I'm gone, I'll fly away type stuff. But does, does the message of the church still matter? And, and I would say, as you have said, Yes, like capital Y-E-S, multiple explanation points, yes, right? Yes, it's, in fact, I think it matters more today than any other time in my life. I think the message of the church matters more today than any other time in my 46 years. Because the message of the church is one that brings about change in culture. It brings about change in life. The message of the church offers us a better life. It does, but, but we get blinded to that and we lose sight of that. In fact, we get, we get so blinded by it because we live in a country that you don't get persecuted if you go to church in most parts of the country. Some parts of the country you're starting, starting to look, be looked down upon anyway. 
But we, we've grown up in this system that, that was so greatly influenced by the church that we take it for granted. Like for us, we, we kind of stand back on, on the value system that, that most of us have that we operate under. And we go, well, yeah, everybody has that, but, but no, they don't really. There is a, a natural state of things and then, and then there is a godly state of things. And, and for most of the world, it's, it's nature that wins. For most of humanity, it's nature that wins. Many years ago, there was this guy by the name of David Akam. And David Akam was um, the Beijing uh, correspondent for Time Magazine. He was the guy in charge of everything around that corner of the world. And, and he wrote, just he interviewed everybody um, during his time, all the big, Boris Yeltsin, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, and, and many heads of state, heads of ministries in China. And while he was there, he asked them this question. He sat down with one of their sociologists who had been a part of a team that was selected to, to, to study the West. Because what they did is they looked at the West and they said, man, they have everything going for them. We wanna be as powerful as the West is. They're the ones who are the movers and shakers in the world and we want to be the same. What's their secret sauce essentially? What do they do that has elevated them to such an extraordinary level? And he's interviewing this guy who is a scientist, sociologist, Maoist, right? And that is not Maoist, it's Maoist. Um, look it up, it's a religion. And, and so, and he's indoctrinated in this stuff. And, and so he sits down and he's like, so what did y'all do? He said, well, we studied you. We studied the West and we looked at every aspect of what we could find. And, and first we thought it was because your military was so strong and powerful. And we really delved into that side of it. And, and, and your military, you're, you're, you have all the weapons, all of the missiles, all of these things, but we realized that wasn't it. And so we said, well, maybe it's the political system. Maybe the, maybe the democracy side of things is, is what drives this greatness. And we looked into that and we realized that wasn't it. Either. And then we looked at the economic side of things and we realized that it wasn't the economy, that there was one thing that was driving the rest of everything else that enabled you to have the democratic society that you do, that enabled you to have capitalism and have it actually work. He said, what we, what we discovered is the glue that held everything together, the, the, the thing that really birthed everything out is what he says is it, it's your religion, it's Christianity. He said, Christianity has enabled you to do all of these great things. And his, his quote is, we have no doubt about that. And we sit here and we think, really? Like, cause we're not even really good at being Christians all the time. That's what you're basing everything on? That's what you want to model and try to find is this value system? Well, aren't, aren't those just natural tendencies for people? Don't people just naturally think in a sense of good and evil and, and try to drive one way and not the other? And no. See, we take it for granted because we've grown up in it. We've never known a, we've never known a country. None of you are old enough. The first service, we had a couple of people that were close to remember the founding of the country. Thank you. They're not gonna watch this service. They won't hear that joke. None of, none of you are old enough to have experienced that. We have grown up under this kind of this kind of mentality and we just take it for granted. And what, what these people from China saw is something totally different. He went on further to say, he said, and we studied our own country and we look at the rural areas where Christian evangelists have gone in. 
And every one of those villages where Christian evangelists have gone in and preached their message and really brought forward this message of Christianity that you take for granted, opium addiction goes down, crime drops, and the Christian families become wealthier than their neighbors. It's the secret sauce. And we think, well, it's just natural. No, no, it's not, is it? Because nature's totally different than that. Na nature's violent, right? N nature is, is, is a tornado whipping through Oklahoma and taking out neighborhoods. Nature is a fire that just sparks out of lightning and burns hundreds of thousands of acres. Nature is, if you, if you go to the animal side of things, you, you look at nature and, and nature is the strong wind. Nature is, if you, if you have enough muscles and enough teeth, you will be the king. What, what do we consider the king of beasts, the king of the jungle? The lions, right? Why? Because they're so soft and cuddly and loving and giving? No. Because they're the biggest, they're the toughest. They're the ones out in the wilderness when they make the kill and they eat what they eat. And when they leave, the next strongest comes in to finish up and then the next strongest and then the next strongest. We don't ever say like, you know what? I really think it's the monkey. I think the monkey is kind of the strongest. No, it's the, it's the strong one that's the leader. That's nature. Nature says might makes right. Nature says the bigger you are, the badder you are, the better you are. And really that's not very far from human nature either, is it? Because human nature really kind of tends to look that way too. Human nature is we, we look at one another and we see differences and we say, well, my differences are better than yours. We live, and I said this on Wednesday night, we live in an us versus them society and culture. We separate ourselves into silos and into factions. And we say, because I am this way, because I went to this school, because I went to live in this neighborhood or this zip code, I'm better than you are. That's nature. Nature is racism. Nature is adultery. Nature, nature is, I, I mean, adultery is something that just is natural for people. But we hold back. Nature is first come, first serve. Nature is slavery. For the nature of humanity, it's, it's not good. See, and, and Paul knew this. Paul knew this very well and he knew that there was this natural side of things and, and then there was this godly side of things. And so what Paul says is, Paul's like, look, look, look. We have to let the God side of us lead. If we go, in, when we go into this world and we carry the message of hope and love with us, we gotta let God direct us because you're gonna lean this way, you're gonna lean towards the world, but the world only offers you death. You gotta step in, you gotta follow the spirits. You gotta follow God and God's ways. And so he created, he's like, look, if we can just create these communities, those ecclesia, remember we talked about that, this movement, that these groups of people who are going to live in such a way that people see God. It's not about what they say, it's about how they live. And what he wanted them to do was to live in such a way that you stand out from the rest of the world, that you go against nature and you lean in towards godliness. And when those people started doing that, when those different churches that he went around and he planted and he poured into and he shepherded and he, and he loved on, when they began to do that, you know what they did? 
changed the world and allowed us to stand here 2,000 years later and talk about Jesus and have hope of eternal life. It wasn't about what they said, it was about how they behaved. It was about what they did. It was about their nature or their godliness. So Paul writes to to the people of Galatia in chapter five, if you have a a Bible app or or you brought your Bible, open up chapter five. And, And he says, this, so, so I say, walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of sinful nature. Walk, allow God to move you, allow God to be the one who drives you and you will not walk down this path of sinfulness, right? Your, your nature is gonna lead you towards a dark path. And what he's saying is, but there's a spirit in you. There's a spirit who says, hey, 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 don't say that. Hey, hey, don't click send. Hey, hey, don't go to that website. Don't go into that place. Don't get into that relationship. That's the spirit who's in the back of your head going, let's pump the brakes just a second. And Paul's saying, I know that there's all this stuff out there. And so walk by the spirit, get, get in, in that lane with the spirit of God so that you're not walking down this sinful path, which is only going to re- lead to destruction. And then he goes on to list a whole, what it looks like. This, he's like, okay, let me, let me spell it out for you, right? Let me, let me explain it. Let me give you a list of some of the things I'm talking about. And when we talk about this, when Paul starts saying these things, you're not gonna go, oh, what? I never would have thought that. That's sinful, right? This is common sense stuff. Like we, we take it for granted when he goes through these things. You're like, yeah, that should be on there, totally. Right? And, and, and even, and you might even say, I know someone who's dealing with that, who's walking in that. I saw someone in the mirror who's dealt with that or is dealing with that. They're way more common than we want to realize. And so he gives a list. He says, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. It's sexual immorality. And you can define that however you want. At some point in our lives, most every one of us has been tempted or acted upon some sexual immoral act. It says impurity and debauchery. Debauchery, which is whatever, whenever, whomever, wherever. It's this, it's excising just indulgence and sinful pleasures, whatever that looks like. Could you imagine if, if debauchery is what ruled in our communities? What would our community look like? What would our schools look like if we didn't tap the brakes on that? It says debauchery and idolatry. Stuff has greater value than people. Witchcraft, it's power, using power for personal gain. Hatred, discord, jealousy. Man, in the Instagram, Facebook era, jealousy is rampant, isn't it? Jealousy is so easy to come by when we look at what other people are doing with their lives, because that's not real on Facebook or Instagram. But jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. 
drunkenness, orgies, and the like. And the like is et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. He's trying to draw you a picture. He's like, you get it now, right? We're, we're in this place. This is the sinful desires. These are the things that, that lead to death. These are the things that we create laws about, right? If we go through that list, we've created laws. We have created a society that has to put in place laws to keep us from doing these things. Think about this. Those of you who have children, did you teach your child the word mine? No, I don't know where it comes from, right? It just springs up from within and they're like, mine? Remember Nemo, mine, 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 mine? And they just start, I see it all the time on the playground during the week, these little kids out there. There's like mine, my toy, fights over toys. Nobody taught them how to do that. It's in us. There's a little boy who comes um, and he's, we have that mountain out there, right? The hill with the slide out there. And, and he owns it. Like nobody gets on that hill when he's on it and he knows it because he he's a big kid and he'll go up there. And I heard this screaming one day and I'm like, what is happening? Why are the teachers not paying attention? Someone's in, someone's in danger. And I get up and I walk over the window and I see this boy on top of the hill, right by the slide going, ah, like that. No little kids going up to get on that slide, right? It's like my slide. We create laws around these things. We live in a society where we're so drawn towards the natural that we have to legalize things to tell us not to do it, to give us consequences and punishments if we do. And so Paul says, this is, this is what it is, but he goes, so, so be led by the Spirit because the fruits of the Spirit, he says, the fruits of the Spirit are, are love, love. That's a good one, right? Love is putting someone else before you. Joy, peace. Man, you know people who live in that natural world, people that, that are engaging in adultery, having an affair, you know what they don't have in their life? Peace. People who are lying and cheating, and, you know what they don't have? Peace. He says love, joy, peace, He's patience. Kindness, kindness. And he says this during the, during the Roman empire when, when might makes right, when their peace was all about death. Oh man, be kind. Goodness, faithfulness. If I said I was gonna do it, I'm gonna do it. Gentleness and self-control. And self-control, self-control is this word that um, Andy Stanley, he, he says in his book, he's like, man, what would it be like if, if we could create um, a self-control month where that was, everyone had to live from self, self-control during that month. Uh, imagine what your, your life would be like if you lived in self-control. Like, I don't know about y'all. Like if, if I could have, um, you know, exercised self-control during the quarantine, I wouldn't have put on about 20 pounds. You know what I'm saying, right? A little self-control never hurts anybody. You'd be skinnier, you'd be wealthier, your relationships would be stronger. There's some businesses that would go out of business and they need to go out of business because people are operating out of self-control because they have to. Wouldn't that be amazing? If we all just operated under self-control and out of self-control. See, Paul lists all these different things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and he says, Against these things, against these things, against all of these fruits of the Spirit, there's no law. We don't need laws when you operate out of this. 
We don't need laws to keep you from loving somebody. Right? You ever, you ever, told, you ever had a, seen a relationship, a husband and a wife, and you're like, you know what? They have way too much love in that family. Just way too much. They need to stop loving, right? You never say that. Joy, that person has, okay, joy, we can get rid of some of the people with joy, right? Especially in the mornings, like, yay! Just dial it down, too much. But patience, peace, kindness, oh, you're just way too kind coming on in here. Self-control. Paul's like, man, if you live from this aspect, you don't need the rest of the laws. You don't need that. If you just operate from this sense, and this is what the message of Christianity is all about. We have a place in Father's house, yes, but right now as we live by the Spirit of God, we have access to a life so much better than what we are doing right now. Look at what the Chinese found. When people found Jesus, addictions went down, crime went down, families were strengthened. Why is that a bad message? The world needs that message right now more than ever. We should be operating out of, these, out of these movements of the Spirit, out of this fruit of the Spirit, more now than at any other time. We need to be loving and joyful and peaceful and kindness and gentleness and self-control and faithfulness. We need to be moving as the kingdom of God. Right now, we need to be bold in our faith. The church has always been the marker of value, but we've forgotten it. And we've let it go and we've passed the microphone to others. So no, no, you tell us what to think. You tell us what is right and wrong. We've given up control of the very greatness that we have to offer. A better life, right here and now. And it's time we take it back, right? We can't sit on the sidelines and be quiet about this. We have to be bold. Because I don't know about you, but I know a lot of people who are suffering with addiction. I know a lot of people whose relationships are hurting and broken. I know a lot of people who are living by that natural spirit. And look, I, there are days when I choose nature over God. And there are days when the church gets it wrong. And we choose our way rather than his. But the church matters. And the church has always mattered because the church has a message that the world needs. See, the church has always been the one that said, you've never locked eyes with someone that wasn't created by God. The church is the one who has always said, every life matters. The church is the one who has always stood in the middle of dissension and said, peace be with you. The church is the one who said marriage is sacred. Families matter. The church is the one who said sex is meant for the sanctity of marriage. And when you take it outside, it reduces people to bodies and not souls. And you see the danger that that causes. The church is the one who said we are going to give and we don't care what we get back. The church is the one who has said, we are going to forgive because we have been forgiven. The church is the one who has brought the love of Christ into the world. The love of Christ that said, I am willing to give it all so that you may have. So does the church still matter? Yeah. 
Yes. Because we have the answers. We have the answers that people need. And if we don't give them, they'll find them from someone else. If we don't give instruction and love and encouragement, then they'll find it on the web, from Hollywood, from their friends. We are the ones who carry the message of Christ. And so how do we do that? What does it look like for the church to be bold and to bring our answers? What does it look like for the church to engage the way we were meant to engage? What does it look like to be led by the power of the spirit? What would it look like for us to live in such a way as a congregation, as a church, that if we cease to exist, there will be a hole in the world? What will it take for us to get this message of hope and peace and love into the world? That's next week. But between now and then, I've set up an email and it's bebold, B-E-B-O-L-D, at saumc.com. Bebold, I didn't tell you this earlier, so you can't put it up, Kathy, sorry. But bebold at saumc.com. And I wanna hear your ideas. It only comes to me, so be as stupid and crazy as you want. Because let me tell you, I'm stupid and crazy. I have those ideas. I have those, how would a ladybug do this moments, right? When you need to think outside the box, anybody ladybug fans? How are we going to engage? The church is needed now more than ever. The church should be big. The church should be bold. And we should be proclaiming the truth that we know, that Jesus Christ lived, that he died for the forgiveness of our sins, and that he conquered death. And because of that, we have life, not just someday far and away, but right here and right now. That is a message that needs to be heard. Right now, I'm, I, I usually end in prayer, but I'm gonna ask PT to come forward. I see him back there. PT is, you know, Pastor Troy um, has been with us the last couple of years and been um, just a big part of the life of St. Andrews and the way that he loves and, and cares for people. and and the way that he's helped us kind of push our small groups and, and, and new members classes and kind of help strengthen and coordinate those. And, but what I love about Troy the most is just, just the way he's, I mean, come on y'all. You know, if you, if you need to talk to somebody, like Troy's your guy, right? Just sit down with him. Yeah, he gets coffee. Yeah, so I sit, I, sit, down, sit down over a, a cup of coffee and just, and, and you'll have somebody that listens. You don't always find that. All right, I mean, I, I'm guilty of it. I, I think about what I'm about to say when you're talking. Sorry, it's just in my personality. <laughs> Troy doesn't. Um, and, and so there, there's a gift there. And, and today is Troy's final Sunday with us as associate pastor. And most of, most of you know that. And um, it's not his final day with us in our community because they ain't leaving. Um, there's just a new chapter in their lives. And so you, you, you will, I, you know, it may not, it's not gonna be next week probably, but you'll see Troy back and his family back and they still live here and have a heart for this community. Um, and, and they live not too far from here and just love the people around here and love you. And, and so today is, as we say, um, 
adieu to PT. Um, we're, we're just gonna, we had, we had something in between services and I hope you were able to come and just show your love to Troy. And um, well, I'm gonna say a blessing over Troy and, and his family. And, um, and I would, you know, usually we put people in the middle aisle and, and we all gather around and we put hands on them and stuff like that when we send people out for blessing like this. And, um, but we can't do that right now. You know, I, you know I, I'm kind of like a bull in the china shop, but they told me I couldn't do that. Um, so, Troy's like, please don't. Um, and so we're gonna have Troy up here and I just want you all to kind of cast a hand out uh, towards him, even online, man, put your hand up towards the, towards the screen, wherever you're watching it. And hopefully you're with somebody else and like, what are you doing? Just don't worry about it, you have earphones in. And um, so we're gonna pray for PT. God, I thank you and praise you so much for your son, Troy, for the amazing gifts that you have given him to, to really sit with someone and know them and hear from you about them to encourage them more and more about who you are calling them to be. God, I thank you for the way that he, that he shepherds small groups and especially young men and the discovering who they're called to be by you and, and just the, the strength that you give him as, as a husband and a father and as a son. I thank you for the way that he has blessed our community here. And God, I pray that as he and Cheryl and Christopher and Cameron move on to this into this new chapter of their life, that you would be with them. Because it says that you go before them and you go behind them and you walk beside them, that your hand is never away from them. And they would know each and every step is directed and guided by you, that they would never know a day without your peace and your love. We thank you and praise you for your son, Troy. May your blessings rest upon him. In Jesus' name, amen.